is essential that people like internally displaced persons are treated as citizens. The challenges to protect those IDPs who are uprooted from their homes, how do you protect them? And that's really the big, big issue right now. Even the UN Secretary General has taken note that these people should be given priority. This is The Lid is On, I'm Connor Lennon. We're all familiar with the phenomenon of refugees, people forced to flee their home country, whether due to a fear of persecution or in some places because of armed conflict or natural disaster. But there's another equally vulnerable category of people who don't cross international boundaries, but they move, sometimes en masse, to a different region of their country. Because they haven't crossed any international borders, they're called internally displaced persons, or IDPs, and it's believed that there are more than 55 million people worldwide who qualify as IDPs. Conflict and climate change are major reasons for internal displacement, and there's strong evidence to suggest that they're linked. 95% of new conflict displacements in 2020 occurred in countries vulnerable to climate change. For the last six years, Cecilia Jimenez Damari has been the UN Special Rapporteur on the Human Rights of Internally Displaced Persons. That means she's an independent human rights expert who's appointed by the UN Human Rights Council, and she's here with me in the New York studios now. Hello. Hello. Now, Cecilia, we're talking in October, and you've just recently delivered your, your last report. Your, your six years is actually up. So what's your main feeling after all this? Are you relieved, exhausted? Actually, I feel both. But I also feel very satisfied and happy that the roadmap and the objectives I had set upon entering the mandate in 2016 have more or less been achieved. Okay, could you explain what those were? Well, the roadmap that I actually committed myself to doing for the last six years really included three things. One is to enable an analysis with regard to the different types of causes of internal displacement worldwide, be it conflict, violence, climate change, and just very recently, the subject of my report this morning on development-induced displacement. And secondly, I really wanted to give a focus on the most vulnerable groups, and particularly on children and uh, persons with disabilities, for example. Women, of course, was integrated in all my reports as one of the most vulnerable internally displaced persons. And third, last but not the least, is to enable myself in engagement with stakeholders, UN agencies, many different UN member states, to really realize in the first place how important it is to work together to respond to the human rights of internally displaced persons. And a recurring theme of that is to acknowledge that internally displaced persons are not passive beneficiaries only of humanitarian assistance, but are actually political agents in their own right who, are, who should participate in decisions affecting them. So this is more or less what I've done for the last six years. It's been a roller coaster ride, if you want. But I think that it, um, the last six years have provided 
um, many agencies, UN member states, the UN, civil society, really the understanding that internally, internal displacement is an important phenomenon to respond to because they're not very much recognized like refugees and migrants, but importantly, that they should not be left behind. I want to come back to uh, something I mentioned in the introduction there, this link between climate change and conflict and the fact that 95% of new conflict displacements are in countries vulnerable to climate change. So is this something you've been, you've been noticing and studying in your research over the last few years? Conflict, violence and climate change have been some of the main triggers of internal displacement, as you have rightly pointed out. And I have looked at these drivers from different points of view, from prevention to protection and to solutions. Prevention, for example, how to prevent the effects of climate change from unnecessarily displacing people, or how to increase or maximize the use of disaster risk reduction uh, so that the effects of climate change can actually be minimized. With regard to conflict and violence, the important thing there in terms of prevention is really to go to the root causes why is there conflict? Why is there violence? And how to enable peace and, 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 and look at conditions where instead of armed conflict or violence, there would be other alternatives that would actually enable people to dialogue, to have a social cohesion, uh, and in that case, avoid internal displacement. When internal displacement does occur for whatever variety of reasons, there are, then of course it is essential that people like internally displaced persons are treated as citizens in their own right, that they do participate in their own protection um, from armed conflict, for example, uh, from, from the different security forces or even non-governmental um, rebel groups in, in many cases. And it is important that the international community with the UN state concerned actually cooperate to ensure that their human rights are being protected. Let's talk about um, the country you know well, your own country. The Philippines is a country with, uh, with a large number of um, internally displaced persons. Uh, tell me a bit about the experience of IDPs in your country. Well, I come from a country where definitely there are internally displaced persons. I wouldn't say it's one of the countries that really experience big, massive internal displacement. What we do have are multiple displacement and repeating displacement. And that can be caused by natural disasters. It could be caused by violence and, and conflict. But we do have other countries where unfortunately there is what we call protracted displacement. Protracted displacement meaning that internally displaced persons cannot find solutions and they have been there for years as IDPs. And this has been a challenge to the international community, to many countries, in fact, that even the UN Secretary General has taken note that these people should be given priority for solutions. And which, which countries are we talking about? From the database of the Internal Displacement Monitoring Center, we would have countries like those countries, Syria, for example, is one of those. Now, one of the latest news is naturally Ukraine uh, because of the 
uh, problems that we have there, the invasion of Russia, and um, and and these have really the, these countries have massive internally displaced um, persons because of armed conflict and violence, and here it's. It's it it they are, there are many challenges so to speak with regard to prevention and that's why we talk about peace and social cohesion negotiations dialogue and when that does not happen of course the challenge is to protect those IDPs who are displaced uprooted from their homes even suffering directly from the horrors of war how do you protect them. And that's really the big, big issue right now in those countries. Well, that was going to be my next question. In fact, how do you protect them? Because um, all states have um, an obligation under international law to, to, to care for internally displaced persons. But if you're in a country which is riven by conflict with few mm. resources, that's a tall order. It is. It is a very tall order. And that is where humanitarian assistance and emergency assistance do come in. But we do need to enable... Um, that those internally displaced persons, first of all, find some security and safety in the midst of conflict, in the midst of war, in the midst of that horror where you have to take care of your children who are not able to go to school, for example. And where, where do you, you know, where do these people go? And, uh, and in some of these countries where there is such conflict and, and violence, people have actually been uh, managing to live, but living under those conditions is not really adequate living. It's, it's not a life that people should have. And therefore, particularly United Nations agencies and with some of the countries concerned are providing emergency food, emergency, emergency shelter, protection from sex, from gender-based violence, for example, these are really rampant in those situations. Having said that, it is important to find a way, not so much in providing solutions to internal displacement under these circumstances, but to find a way to solve the root causes of the conflict solve the root causes of the violence. And here we do need international solidarity, very much so, because depending on what the situation is, whether or not it's the government itself who is undertaking the, the violence and the conflict, or another country who is invading such uh, um, the, the, the country concerned, you know, we need to talk. And that's what the United Nations is, is for. It's not to instigate more war, but to instigate and provide conditions where solutions can come, where people can come to the negotiation table, where actually these representatives of the different groups can follow, can comply with international humanitarian law or and, and as well with international human rights law. So here it's not just a matter of a humanitarian response. It's a political response. Do you fear that as the effects of climate change uh, become more acute in certain countries and that could be a driver of more conflict, that we're going to be seeing this phenomenon rising in the coming years. I agree. Um, in fact, there have already been some studies, um, studies in certain parts of the world where you can see that there's an interplay between conflict and climate change. First of all, 
when we talk about the slow onset effects of climate change, you know, not the, not the dramatic climate change impacts like storms and monsoons. I mean, we do have that, and they do produce internal displacement. But mind you, we also have what we call slow onset effects of climate change, like drought, the melting of the glaciers, the increasing um, uh, sea level rise. And all of these actually can lead to the to, to, to diminution of natural resources that can be a cause for conflict, can be a cause for violence. And we also have such kinds of climate change that produces changes uh, or, or migratory differences, for example, for the pastoralists uh, being in conflict with the agriculturalists because their traditional ways of life are being disturbed or by being destroyed by the effects of climate change. And this produces conflict. This produces violence in those countries. On the other hand, we also have that where there is already problems of climate change in a certain country, sometimes there are actually groups that uh, take advantage of those conditions in order to gain power. So it's, it's really a dynamic that needs further study. But in this particular case, it also, in the end of the day, means that the internally displaced persons and the society to which the, they belong or supposed to belong are actually involved in that, that uh, decision making concerning their future. So it's been six years, and before that you were in the NGO world. What got you into this area? Um, what for me was very inspiring was the fact that in the midst of the frustration and that, are be, that were being experienced by internally displaced persons, they were still very hopeful, and they still wanted to get themselves out of the situation in dignity. And unfortunately, they were not being recognized as victims of human rights violations. And that is what I wanted to change. And this is also the reason that along the years, until I also worked with other international organizations, um, NGOs on internal displacement, it was very obvious to me that the answer or the solution to respond to such situations of internal displacement is actually compliance with international human rights law, which is what I work on. Well, Cecilia, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, congratulations on all you've achieved over the last six years and a, a, a well a well-deserved break is, is coming you. up next. This has been The Lid Is On. I'm Connor Lennon. You've been listening to me talking to Cecilia Jimenez-Damari from the Philippines, the soon-to-be former, if I can call you that, UN Special Rapporteur on the Human Rights of Internally Displaced Persons. We'll be back next week, and if you haven't already, do like and subscribe. The Lid Is On, the UN's flagship news podcast. <laughs>